everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, I hope you're in a good mood because today we're reading more about what sounds like the end of the world. That's right. Mark 13 uh, is a pretty uh, dreadful sounding chapter. It's kind of a frightening chapter. Uh, And I think it sounds a lot like Luke 21, which we read yesterday. So if you've been tracking with the podcast uh, day in and day out, you've probably heard a very similar chapter already yesterday. But I want to invite you to take take a good close look at Mark 13. And there's a couple questions uh, that I want us to think about as we are considering what Jesus is talking about in Mark 13. So just to kind of catch you up, get you to know what's going on here, just looking over the headings of Mark 13. The headings are written by editors long after the biblical text was written. The first heading in the ESV is Jesus foretells destruction of the temple. Then it's signs of the ends of the age. Then it's the abomination of desolation. Then it's the coming of the Son of Man. Then it's the lesson of the fig tree. And then no one knows that day or hour. So even if you don't, even if you don't read the verses and you only read the headings, which if you tell the truth, uh, I will tell the truth. Sometimes I simply look over the headings. And and a side note here, those headings are not Holy Spirit inspired. They weren't in the original text. They are made up. So sometimes they're very helpful and they summarize like the paragraphs that you're about to read. Sometimes they actually can mislead you and get you to believe something before you even read the text. So sometimes those headings are not really helpful uh, because they get you to believe something about the text before you read it. And I think that is one of the things, one of the cases I would make today because these headings are pretty foreboding. I mean, if you just like, I mean, it's impossible to miss them. They're bolded. They're oftentimes higher um, font sizes than the rest of the font. So I don't fault you for reading those headings, but I do want to encourage you, don't be misled by the headings. Be conscious of the fact that they were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were written by editors much later on, uh, and they can be misleading. So if you just read the headings, it looks like, wow, this is a foreboding chapter about the end of the world. But the question I want you to consider before you jump into it, before you read it, always, always go read it for yourself. Listen to me read it later on in the podcast today. What is Jesus trying to do? with this conversation? What is Jesus' intent with this conversation? And I think there's two possible routes you can go, and depending on your opinion on those routes, uh, it'll really influence what Jesus is talking about. The first possibility is that Jesus is telling his disciples about how the world will eventually end and what it will be like before he returns. So that would be Jesus is speaking about something that has not yet occurred, even in our day and age. And he is allowing his disciples to know about it, I guess, to continue to preach and teach that this would be coming at some point. Um, It could be that he knew that, like Jesus knew, obviously, that this would be recorded for believers later on. So maybe it's for the benefit of believers later on. Um, what you think about the question is important. And if you think that Jesus is trying to tell the disciples about the end of the world and the returning of himself, then one of the weird tensions that you end up with is, uh, why would he be telling them this? They had like, they can do nothing about it. The other possibility 
is that Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples and those immediately following his disciples for the persecution that is immediately in their future. So when Jesus is speaking about, obviously, the temple being destroyed, the temple being torn down, when he's speaking about the persecution that is to come, when he's speaking about the violence and the the fear and foreboding that will be occurring in the city, it is actually for the disciples and the generations after the disciples so that they can be supernaturally prepared for what is going to occur. So I personally resonate more with option two. I think that Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples well uh, for the persecution that is coming. And the reason I resonate with that is because the persecution did come. There, There is not a single disciple that was not persecuted in significant fashion. Only John left with his life, and it was because he was exiled on Patmos, and he lived out the end of his days in this island somewhere. The rest of the disciples gave their lives for the gospel. And so that is kind of the lens that I look through. Um, I certainly believe that Jesus is returning. I certainly believe that Jesus is coming back. There are other passages in the Bible that teach that. Um, but I don't think we need to make every passage that sounds like that mean that. So now I want to show you a little bit of what I'm talking about here. Um, the whole exchange starts with the disciples being overwhelmed with how beautiful the temple is. Now, the temple is not there today. The the foundation, the base of the temple is there, and it is fairly magnificent, and it was not meant to be marveled at. So when the disciples are coming into Jerusalem and the people are there, uh, they are moved by the sight of how incredible this temple looks, and it apparently was quite fascinating. And Jesus is kind of a downer and basically says not one of these stones will be left. It's all going to be torn down. So that would be the end of the building, but it would also be the end of how their worship worked, uh, which is pretty significant. And it's it's very significant that these two things kind of came hand in hand. Like Jesus is on the scene. He's preaching that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And at the same time, shortly after his ministry, the, the temple is destroyed, and the temple would have been at the center of kind of old school cultic Judaism. And so significant changes came. So all that to say, um, he's telling them all these things are going to be destroyed. And when they go privately with Jesus, the disciples are like, what are you talking about? And so Jesus tells them, uh, you can see in verse six, like basically there's going to be false messiahs that are coming. Now, it's interesting. You can get a lot of information from this guy named Josephus. Josephus was a... um, person that wrote a lot of Roman history. Uh, He wrote down a lot of what happened in Jesus' day and after Jesus' day. He's very reliable. A lot of historians count on what he says. And what's interesting is that Josephus records an incredible amount of claims to be messiahs, an incredible amount of people who claim to be the son of God shortly after Jesus' life. So there's kind of like this flare up in messianic claims. It seems like Jesus is talking about exactly that, which was going to happen. Um, Then he says, a nation is going to rise up against nation. Kingdom will rise up against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines, and these will be the beginnings of birth pain. So another thing that is well known from Josephus and his histories is that this was an incredibly uh, tumultuous time in the Roman Empire. There were literally wars all around the known world uh, for power 
and like even internal clashes among the Roman Empire. It's fascinating to read up on these things. So the disciples would have been living in a time of wars and rumors of wars. And then also on top of that, it was also a time of a lot of earthquakes all over the Roman Empire. So these guys... And their descendants, their immediate generation after them, would have been hearing about a lot of wars. They would have been hearing about a lot of earthquakes. It's very interesting. Uh, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. So he's saying there's going to be a lot of persecution. And brother will hand over brother, uh, and father will hand over child, and child will rise against parents like this. Persecution is going to be widespread. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be very bad and very painful. Uh, That is, in fact, what happens uh, leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. It's it's crazy um, just how much Christians are persecuted. And even after Jerusalem is destroyed, the Christians continue to be incredibly persecuted. Uh, But when you see the abomination of the desolation standing where he ought not be, uh, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So there's a lot of debate about what this is and what this means, uh, but it's very likely that a Roman army marched into the center of the temple and basically destroyed the temple. There's a lot of different theories on this, on what this could be. Um, the most compelling one seems to be when the Roman army actually comes in and destroys the temple. Uh, there's there's another uh, thing that happens shortly before the Roman Empire comes in where there was like a resistance army that set up camp inside the temple. It offended everybody. Uh, there's another instance where the Jews were offended by like the Roman symbols, like on their flags that they carried in battle um, and on their like staffs and stuff that they carried in battle. Apparently, there was a group of Roman soldiers that went into the temple and actually sacrificed uh, animals to the flags and symbols on the like on the main altar, the most holy place. So this was a desecration as well. But it seems like uh, Jesus and therefore Mark through G- uh, like Mark recording Jesus is trying to speak about this desolation. And then he tells the people like to run away, basically, like it it would be, it's going to be bad. And so I think Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for this time and the the people that are coming after this time um, to be ready for what is happening. So then he talks about uh, tribulations that are coming and how the son of man will be coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Um, it makes sense. Like a lot of, there's different groups. Some people say that this is still about the destruction of Jerusalem. Other people say that this is like Jesus pivots and now is talking about the end of the world and the return of himself. But basically, and this is the thing I want to leave with everybody. Basically, the point of Jesus saying these things is to be prepared. You can see how he ends out the chapter with verse 35. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest they come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So this is a message to Jesus' disciples to be prepared, to be awake, and to be on guard. It's really, really interesting because shortly after Jesus tells them to be awake, we'll be hearing a story about Jesus praying in the garden and they are asleep. Now, I don't think that Jesus is speaking specifically about that, but I also don't think it's by accident that the the disciples are oftentimes not on guard, and Jesus is encouraging them to be on guard, to be prepared. So I think this message to them is you don't know when judgment is coming, and because you don't know when judgment is coming, we need to be prepared, we need to be on guard, we need to live a life that is honoring uh, God at all times. We don't have time to be lazy 
about our faith. And I think that message remains true. I think we can still live this way, uh, that we need to be aware, we need to be alert, we need to take our faith seriously, uh, we don't have time to phone it in. And that is actually the your part for today. Uh, take your faith seriously and know that uh, the message that Jesus would tell you is to be prepared, to be on guard, to stay awake. Uh, we do not live in a world that just blindly supports the teachings of Jesus. We are not drifting closer to Jesus. We are drifting further away, uh, both culturally and personally. So you have to be on guard. And I think it's easy to read over this this chapter and say, oh, this is about the end of the world and uh, revelation and Jesus is coming and we're ready to go. Uh, I think if you read it with that lens, like I don't totally fault you, uh, but if you read it without actually this spiritual sense of preparation, understanding that that Jesus wants us to be always prepared, um, I think you miss something. And I think that you miss kind of like the the practical uh, message that is here for us. So uh, hopefully uh, that's the end of our uh, apocalyptic kind of sounding stuff. Uh, we'll be jumping into Matthew 24 tomorrow. So I'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan Your Part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Mark chapter 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will raise against his parents, and have them put to death. But you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, Pray that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved, 
But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, here he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all these things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you will know he is near, at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.